All right, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be doing a speed run of the intro to the Hush podcast. My name is Ghoul. I'm here with Madison Gray, Heliomancer, and not the state. Guys, hurry up, get a quick introduction, and we will break records. Hi, my name's Madison Gray, and I, I thought we were playing Sir. Minecraft. Come on, come hey, on. my name's Helio. <laughs> <laughs> come on, give it the program, Helio. My, my, name, my name's Helio, and uh, Dex Builds can go suck it. Uh, I'm not the state, and I'm I'm just kind of here. This episode, just I'm just here. That's it. <laughs> All right, time. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, today we're joined by the lovely one and only, and the most fantastic Scottish American I've ever known, Ghoul the Medic. Would you like uh, to give an introduction to yourself? You know, all that fun stuff. Well, I, I am actually the artist formerly known as Ghoul the Medic, and now it's just, I just go by Ghoul. Um, I tried the whole EMT thing, the you know, EMS life, and it didn't set well with me, so I shortened <laughs> the name down. Makes life a little bit easier. You, you, didn't, you didn't enjoy getting used and abused for $13 an hour? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, absolutely not. Well, I actually got up to 15 but that's only because the company was like, eh, we don't want to like have to do the yearly raises till it's naturally up to 15 yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, my name's Ghoul. I've been friends with Madison for, oh, geez. 16 years? Something like that. We met when we were in like fifth grade. We've been best friends since like sixth or seventh grade. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I have a YouTube channel. It's kind of dead right now. I'd like to bring it back at some point. I do Airsoft content uh I, I thought about streaming but then i realized how crappy my internet is in my in my apartment yeah and, welcome uh, to, welcome to southern california I'd, I'd have to do some upgrading before uh, then so so today we're going to be talking about um wow that's the most youtuber ass fucking well today we're going to be talking about guys well, my Andrew i smash that subscribe button hit the bell notification Hush i you check out that patreon afterwards and throw some fucking bucks my way because i deserve money for being a lazy schmuck anyway so actually please go when to you patreon put it like that, it, poor. Yeah, go, go, go support the patreon this is coming from somebody who doesn't benefit <laughs> from on the real on the real on the real i i, I do need that 20 though <laughs> yo this oh, can you spare me some gas money yo this crack addiction ain't gonna this crack hey, you, get, you watch the itself. episode you owe me uh 350 Maybe tree fitty. So, so uh, today I want to talk about Dark Souls and the meaning of life because I feel like the Soulsborne series has a lot of lessons and and other games. You know, I do want to talk about some other games that I feel like are adjacent to the importance of those and um, and all that jazz. But before so, you, you know, you mentioned being an EMT. Um, we don't have to go deep into it, but just for our our wagey listeners out there, uh, I do want to ask. What is it like being an EMT, like fresh, fresh off the boat, right into the, right into it? Like, what is that experience of going from thinking about like the importance of your job, working your ass off and being passionate about it and then getting kind of sucked into it? Because I do actually think that that kind of ties into what we're going to be talking about later. At least I can relate to it, especially with other games and and other uh, media that I really enjoyed. So uh, I'm just kind of curious, like, how, what was that experience like? Well, I, I do have to put a little bit of a disclaimer. I kind of got in during the peak of COVID. So that really, um, I think, changed the experience from what, what it would be normally. Uh, just all the added precautions that we had to do for really standard calls. And, and 
to be clear, I, I worked in what was called IFT, so interfacility transport. Um, I didn't do a lot of emergency. We did have a contract with CAT, which is a crisis assessment team. So we did a lot of mental health calls. Uh, so that was the closest to like emergency uh, that I did. But even with, you know, just taking somebody who's depressed, sad, whatever, it was like the PPE and, and just all the precautions that we had to take was um, a lot more than what people just a year prior to getting into um, EMS would have experienced. Um, I, I'm going to be doing a lot of ums on this and I, I apologize to the This audience. is the um cast, guys? <laughs> yeah, the um cast. Yeah. yeah. The um, it's also the uh, it's also the chair squeak cast between me and Helio. So, yeah, I'm like trying to sit as still as possible because I have a really squeaky chair. Yo, let that chair squeak. I'm really afraid. Uh, I mean, the chair is kind of the actual fourth (laughs) member of the podcast. (laughs) So, so until I put WD 40 on it, that is (laughs) if when if you do. So I don't want to. Yeah, neither do I. Like I, I know I could easily fix this chair, but I just, dude, I'm too goddamn lazy for that, man. Um, yeah. I, so I can definitely see COVID kind of playing into that. Um, this might be a little jarring of a question, but uh, since we do live in the same area as this absolute legend, as well as absolute unit, how often were you expecting to meet your idol, your favorite YouTuber, Joey's World Tour, on a pickup? <laughs> You know, honestly, it, it was it was a meme when I first got into it between me and you, but uh, I, I never expected to see Joey unless it was like taking him to some sort of specialized healthcare facility. Um, <laughs> you like, like, I, I, I you water. Uh, I mean, he might have, but I wouldn't have been the first on the scene for that. That would have been like uh, care or just the fire department. Um, But definitely like, oh, he needs to go to, you know, a bariatric wing or something like that. (laughs) Me just being like, wait, what's the name on that call? And just being terrified. Uh, (laughs) Would you think of me the whole time? (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude, I would have I would have like broken, you know, confidentiality and called you right after. (laughs) Be like, I can't feel my arm anymore. Guess who I got to move? Guess what? (laughs) <laughs> Blow your load right on him while he's on the stretcher. <laughs> yeah, you gotta do that while you come. <laughs> oh, God. No, completely out of the loop. You know, oh, dark Helio, you don't, you don't know who Joey's World Tour is? No. Oh, oh we have you're, a you're gonna go down a. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, I feel don't send me down another goddamn rabbit hole. I've been through enough, okay? <laughs> we talk about Dark Souls. We won't Can we do talk that. about the rabbit hole I'm currently in right now? We won't, we won't, we won't do Joey's World Tour today, but he will come uh, up again. But uh, I guess. Okay, let, let, let me just, let me just uh, sum, sum up you know, my final thoughts on the whole well, EMS Hold on, thing. hold on. Before you do that, I have one more question that we can move on, and that is uh, how fat phobic were you before? You were an EMT, and how did being an EMT make you fucking despise fat people who have no excuse? You know, you know, like I and I and really weak girls hard. that think like, they can do men's jobs. <laughs> I, I I I I try to avoid the hate and all of that stuff. It's hard, but you know, as a good Christian boy, I gotta gotta show love and 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 
all of that. But seriously, the the fat acceptance movement is is a horrible thing. You know, like it used to be like, oh, if that person wants to eat themselves into a heart attack, you know, that's their business. You know, very libertarian view on it. But you know, after actually being hurt by somebody that was over 400 pounds, you know, despite having six EMTs carrying this lady, um, Damn. like you know, like. It's kind of funny, the, the whole, you know, oh, when the weather changes, you know, that old injury comes up. It's true. If it gets too cold, I'll feel it in my arm, like from, from the base of my wrist all the way up to my shoulder from where that muscle got pulled. You're you're hurting other people when you do that. So, well, like, really, that, really. You're also inundating the medical fucking um, industry with unnecessary shit you know uh, absolutely absolutely but yeah so, and it's like, like it doesn't just a, affect you yeah well the thing is like if you have a condition or you have like health issues or, or or sadly you know enough like you're on some sort of medication that's just a side effect like like yeah, obviously you, you can't no blame hate. for that yeah like, I, like yeah. no hate but like i just i can't stand people like like people like me right like i have i have some like bloating issues and stuff like that like i have like body problems but like if you let yourself go that much like Come on, you should play Dark Souls and learn to lift. That's all I'm gonna There's, say. <laughs> speaking yeah. of, speaking of, I mean, it kind of goes into into the kind of the subject, I guess, because I feel like um, there's a little bit of um, I, I forgot who said this, but it was um, you are responsible for everything in the world, essentially, and um, I think that kind of ties into it a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, that, no, definitely. You know, like, even even the actions you don't take have an effect on the world around you. And I think a lot of people are just too stuck up in their own libertarianism to actually think like, hey, maybe my actions, maybe my self-destruction, it actually has an effect on the world around me. And I think that would be the perfect tie-in to go into, uh, yeah. you know, I guess. Well, I don't even want to say like libertarianism. <laughs> I mean, like I, I meme on it just to piss off like, you know, thin-skinned libertarians. I, I'm, but, I'm like, being very pure when I say that. I'm not no, being, like, I get you, but I would more say social liberalism because I mean, like a lot of libertarians nowadays more so are are more uh, conservatarians, even though they'd probably puke if you said that to them. Um, <laughs> where there's a lot more social, like and and personal responsibility, kind of baked for, into for, the movement. Uh, but, for lack of a better term, to to not get you know tangled in semantic, I guess I could just call it a do as thou wilt complex. I mean, Alista Crowley did fuck kids, so I mean, I don't think it's a good idea to uh, listen to what he has to say. Uh, speaking of something else that fucks kids, how many, uh, <laughs> how, many kids, yeah, how many kids? How many kids do you think? Got, <laughs> how many? How many? How many kids do you think like saw the artwork for Demon Souls back in the day? Were like, oh, this is gonna be badass. I love fantasy. Bought the game and just instantly cried. Um, I mean, as one of those kids. Uh, <laughs> I thought you know, you know what I you're getting into. I, I I had a vague idea. I knew it was hard. Like that was the only thing that I really knew about. Because um, I did start out with Demon Souls. Uh, it was very soon. Like I started out with like the 360. Um, but there was definitely some games that were like exclusive to PlayStation that I was interested in. You know, uh, they they had released like the Sly Cooper collection on there and I, I grew up with those games so it was like oh i want to you know relive my childhood so i got one like a, a used one and a friend of mine had bought uh demon souls and you know again all i had heard is it's really hard and i was like you know what i've, I've started like upping my game playing on you know, different games like on try hard engages levels. but it's not that hard man well i mean like it was <laughs> 
a little bit, a little bit, you know, because even back then you couldn't fully trust, you know, game journalism and all of that. Uh, but, you know, I expected to go into like a game that was challenging, but just getting my ass kicked over and over and over again was a completely different experience. But yeah, he ended up just giving me the game because he was just like, you know, he, he was more of a story driven, you know, really in-depth RPG sort of guy. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and he had got it because it was like, oh, knights and dragons and all of that sort of stuff, and he just hated it. So I got it, and I I did not beat it. I I still haven't like I'm I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> laying out there. It? I have not beat Demon like Souls. Didn't you give it to? Like uh, didn't you give it to? Uh, I won't dox him, so I'll just set name of Doctor Lucy. Didn't you let Doctor Lucy? Uh, borrow it, and then he hated the game, but he beat it out of spite. Yeah, no, dude, it was so funny. I I. I, I had had it and I'd gotten decently far in it, uh, but I just sort of like, I was terrible at schoolwork and all of that stuff during high school and I fell behind. So I wasn't playing games at all. Uh, so I was just like, okay, yeah, here, borrow it. You have a PlayStation. Um, and like two weeks later at church, he comes up to me and he hands it back and he's like, I hate this game. I beat it, but I hate this game. Um, <laughs> It was the funniest thing. Um, you know, but, yeah. um, I, I would like to kind of play into the theory that, um, and, and ah! mentioned this kind of as a joke earlier, but I'm sorry. <clears throat> Madison. Um, we'll censor that in post. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, Madison mentioned this earlier, but it's like, oh, the Dark Souls is actually easy. But, but the thing about it is, like, I mean, I like to view easy and hard as a relative term in this case, you know? really it's just not really that it's i mean yeah it's a challenge and it's difficult at times but honestly it's probably the most formulaic game you could ever fucking well, see, think here, of. here's like, the thing soulsborne games are easy take them to talk about shit now that's hard well i mean like actually never mind it's I, I, actually 100 i 100 percent agree no, i uh, mean he, yeah, it, it's you know, just um, a different it's it's a different experience for somebody who walks into it completely clueless never playing a game like that before they're gonna get their ass kicked of course but that's like kind of like I think there was a point when I when I was playing Bloodborne at first where I just got my ass kicked in the first few rounds and after a while it's just you get so good at it you just don't get your ass kicked by it anymore and you move forward with the story and and people I guess are just so used to being spoon fed all of this content that that's exactly it it doesn't yeah, hold your hand it's like, not actually hard all it, the it, mechanics honestly, are there told me, if people told me more about the mechanics starting out when it first came out and not oh man it's so hard it's so difficult then then i probably would have been more interested in playing it because it was you know i i'm, I'm into stuff like that you know I, I used to play like um like rts's and shit so it's, i'm not i'm not not used to playing a game that'll absolutely break my balls you know time wise you know and, and it's yeah. just that leads me into into something though um so i have a roommate and he he's tried Dark Souls and he's tried Bloodborne like before me and him were introduced and he like he just couldn't get into it right but with me now playing the the newest game Elden Ring him and one of his friends they they were like they got the itch to get it which I think is happening to a lot of people um, yeah I'm kind which of is really really that itch cool right now I mean, don't um, fight it anymore just get it it's amazing but he ended up getting it and I <laughs> pro tip to everybody. 
Elden Ring is out. Get into Elden Ring before playing the, the Dark Souls games. If you've been nervous about it, if you've just been like, ah, I don't have the time to commit, try out Elden Ring. It's a lot more accessible. It's hard, it's challenging, but there's a lot more options for you to kind of mess around with that you'll have a Okay, so it's like a Vegas hooker. It's like it's like a Vegas hooker versus a San Diego hooker is what you're saying. No, like I I, am. I was kind of spoiled with Bloodborne a little bit, and I really don't like when it comes to playing games that involve me hacking and slashing shit. I prefer the speed over bulky any day, which is I mean, ironic considering my intro is basically ripping an asshole uh, into the the from software. Regardless of your favorite playstyle, you, you have to hate on decks. I am currently playing a dex build in Elden Ring, and I will still hate on dex builds. But like, I was able to sit down with my roommate when he got it, and just like give him a couple of pointers on the mechanics of the game, like just to get him started. And he has been no lifing that game. He's in love with it. Him and his friend will get on, they'll summon each other into their worlds. And they just have a blast. And I think a lot of people, not only with Dark Souls now being in this sort of infamy in the gaming space, yeah. but now with George R. R. Martin's name attached to it, it's really opened up people into this subgenre of video games more so than it ever has been. And just the way that they've laid out that game has made it so much more accessible for new players to come in and actually succeed. Like they're still going to get beaten into the ground by a mini boss but they can also have that option of just leaving that area and going and farming runes and, and getting different equipment and then coming back to that challenge later, which is kind of the whole point of Dark Souls is it's like, oh, you're getting your butt kicked by this boss. Well, why don't you go back to an older area, get some souls, level up, increase your weapon stats, all of that sort of stuff, and then go back and, and fight it again and see how you do. Yeah. So what you're saying uh, to kind of condense yeah. this is Dark Souls is basically like the video game equivalent of, of lifting where like you want to go deadlift something and it's way too big or you want to uh, do a squat or whatever and you can't. So then you got to go the sidelines and do some do some curls, do some different sorts of uh, strength exercises, build yourself up. Then you can, you know, go in there, practice on those that lifts a little bit until you can finally nail it. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's that's a great analogy on it. And I think, you know, the, the Souls fan base has always been uh, open to compare how it is playing those games to stuff in real life. So you'll see guys, you know, going to the gym and they have, you know, a shirt on that has Oscar of Astora's helmet on and he's got big old muscles and it says Dark Souls, you know, because it's like, oh, this was, and I'm getting to that point. Like, I know I need to get healthier and I need to get yeah. that gym, bro. Yeah, absolutely. And after playing Elden Ring so much and, and remembering like the process of like overcoming those challenges, because I've always had a challenge, like consistently going to the gym or having a consistent workout, not necessarily because it's hard, but because my brain is so starved for stimulation and I don't find these normal exercises stimulating i just get bored and i quit and I it's not a good thing uh i genuinely but, want to get back into running again dude oh, running is so hard uh, running is freaking addicting honestly yeah he <laughs> says the says fucking... the woman <laughs> i'm not a fucking woman, three three fucking three men in here talking it. about working out and the woman i like to run oh oh yeah you like to run fuck and spend you, I, your man's I, I money i was the first it, person that said oh, i wanted oh. to fucking run what the fuck man you're not gonna get me shit you fucking woman <laughs> fucking woman hater so 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 not since, since you've been a little quiet and i know you're a little 
little out of the loop because out of all of us here, you're probably the least uh, <laughs> I know nothing. experienced when it comes to the Soulsborne games. To kind of bring you up to speed, the Souls games, and this is kind of why I like them because, uh, you know, even as like an outsider where like I I've played about the first quarter of Dark Souls 3 and I've played, I think, the, what was it, like the first half of Bloodborne. Um, yeah. I've always really enjoyed the the um, community and I've always really enjoyed what Dark Souls represents more than the game itself. And I, and I really like the lore and stuff like that. Uh, so I'm one of those people. I, I kind of look at it the same way I look at Warhammer, except the difference is unlike Warhammer, I do actually feel like I can get really into the games if I were to uh, actually have them. Because yeah, for a long time, that. I Did just... You know that up until like Did a year ago, my computer couldn't run the games, so that's the main reason why I, I haven't owned them. But yeah, not to, to kind of put it into perspective, and to I also kind of I guess get to brass tacks. I can't what believe, I wanted. Man, I can't believe your man explaining. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> What, what I what basically what I want to get into and and kind of I guess like the purpose uh, of the this podcast uh, or, or sorry this episode uh, outside of just gushing about video games that are really fucking good would be Dark Souls to me and its community and everything represents the importance of a few different concepts and it, it, for me it's the importance of companionship and camaraderie but also being wary of people as well as the two biggest ones which would be stoicism and nihilism. Not the Rick and Morty, nothing matters, let's just watch TV, oh, it's so deep, but the idea of we live in a nihilistic and, and horrible kind of world, an existence that is, you know, for the greater majority, uh, very painful and full of trials and tribulations that uh, for, for lesser people will eat them alive and and in a lot of, you know, most people's lives will eat them alive in certain seasons of their life. And so it's it's a very good kind of representation of overcoming that, finding purpose, because, spoiler alert, the entire dynamic of the Souls games in particular is the idea of if you don't have a purpose, you'll lose your humanity and become hollowed. Yeah. And basically, you, you lose whatever resemblance of your humanity is left, because you're not a human in those games, you're, you're an undead. And you bear yeah. the curse of hollow or whatever it's called so that's kind of what it what it's about uh which is i think oh, something that again is, if, is really if i may important if i may go on what dark souls or i guess that the dark souls or the souls born or the souls sekiro elden born fucking bullshit i don't even know what to call it anymore um well it's just souls born yeah, i think Soulsborne. that's the the agreed upon terminology yeah anything Miyazaki that, born. Any, any, yeah, anything, anything, any type of Miyazaki core-esque game is going to have this sort of Sisyphean kind of effect where you're just rolling that fucking boulder up the hill. And I think it's kind of fitting that one of the main things that you do in that in, in each of these games is rolling, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's basically it right there. I mean, it's a success, man. Unless patches is um, around. Well, I, I was I was really intrigued by you immediately talking about like camaraderie and all of that. And if if I may, I'd really love to talk about like the community. What is this court? If I may, if I may, this is a <laughs> podcast where we talk over each other like animals. <laughs> no, go on. I have never seen a game series have fans that have created such a unique culture around playing these games. When I first got into Dark Souls, Dark Souls is the one that I really sunk my teeth into. I, I was really lost and I, I found like a Facebook group and on occasion I hop in and be like, hey, like, how do you do this one thing? What's this? And people would respond and, you know, sometimes you'd get the get good. 
And I now realize that's literally just like, oh, yeah, there's nothing else you can do but get good. It's not like this derogatory thing. It's a meme. It's, it's a salty way of saying it. But in reality, sometimes you just I've, gotta get good. I've and... only ever used it in a salty way. I, I have to admit, <laughs> it's cathartic, honestly. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. You know, telling that newbie, just get good, man. But like, if there's really nothing else to do, like, what else are you going to tell him? Out of Dark Souls context, too, before. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> like, it, is, it is in my common ver uh, vernacular, so. Yeah. Um, but, like, like, there's all these different things in Dark Souls, you know, when you invade somebody, there's a different method about going about that fight. When you are cooperating with people, like, how you're supposed to behave is, like, there's these set rules that are not in the game, they're in the culture, they're in the community. And like, if you summon somebody in for a duel, like there's proper manners to go about that duel. You make sure that person is set up in a good position when you come in. You guys both chug your Estus flasks, you know, until they're all drained. These courtesies that you give each other, it's really a completely different experience than any sort of game that I was playing back then, you know, whether that was Call of Duty or uh, Halo or something like that, where the multiplayer is just like run in, shoot people, have fun, whatever. Like this was very much like a, and it's taught to you while playing. You know, the first time that I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to put down my sign to like do a duel with somebody. The guy immediately started chugging his Estus flasks. And that was just a, a signal to me as a new duelist in these games to do the same. Like, oh, we're not going to heal. This is like a fight to the death. No, no tricky business sort of thing. And it's just such an interesting honor sport that was created. You don't see a lot of games these days, aside from, I'd say, maybe FPSs actually choose, like, honor skill above everything else. Well, that's, a, that's something know? I was actually going to point out. Is like, you mentioned Halo, and, you know, that triggered my fucking Halo nerd, but Halo was that community for me uh, growing up. My dad got me Halo when I was probably too young to play it, but when I was, like, eight or nine years old, and I obviously fell in love with it. Uh, <laughs> it scared the absolute shit out of me oh. when I played the level 343 Spark, and... You know, it it it, it sowed oh, a lot I of seeds. I hated the flood, bro. <laughs> I love the flood. <laughs> it sowed a lot of seeds in me, and then like even like replaying the games all these years later, like the amount of, like, I can gush about Halo forever, but I think Halo is honestly like, and I'm sure you can contest this, uh, but to me, Halo really, uh, to me, was kind of the precursor to the Souls community, and and not really in like a direct way where like oh a lot of Halo players went and played Souls and became like Souls bros. <laughs> But more in like the the spirit of it. So like pre like uh, I want to say like pre Halo like not even yeah pre Halo three like before like that kind of became the whole thing and it was just that like it was all about land parties and communities and getting together and like there was a level of like trolling and griefing and stuff like that that would go on. But people were really cool in that community and a lot of it was based around like you know teaching people different you know ways of going about levels and doing things and fighting different you know uh, encounters as well as you know finding different like glitches and easter eggs in the game like it was a very communal based game that was really you know fun for that as well, well as the, like the I'll... discussion of like how deep the story is which is you know where i think it really kind of ties in with, with something like the souls games and there was just this genuine community where you know even even that troll that's more than likely just you know having a laugh at your expense is still going to end up being like a, an actual ally to you at some point, like giving you some some advice that's going to help you in the game or, or even teaching you a lesson by playing with a troll. You know what I mean? 
versus something yeah. like as much as I enjoyed like the Modern Warfare 2 days and Call of Duty and stuff like that like that was just pure like anarchy and chaos and like no one's <laughs> your friend in that community but you know like uh, Halo I can see I can see a lot of like I guess parallels in, in terms of their their communities and, and how games with that level of like love and care and uh you know developers that really you know put that kind of heart and soul kind of get that back and they create something that's just more than a game right yeah Yeah. dude i don't think i've ever seen like a genuine uh a genuine halo guy that never like i don't think it ever any point he gave up on it you know it's just very dedicated yeah well that just reminds me like i watched um just like this old uh newscast uh i don't remember what news station it was but they were it was like when they were covering the release of halo 2 and they're showing i think it was um somewhere in new york they're outside of a game store and there's people like lined up and they're all like huddled together it's you know the middle of the night in new york so it's like cold but everybody has like this big smile on their face. They're super excited. Everybody's just like talking and like there was com- camaraderie with that. And it, it makes me miss the days where, you know, you would go to GameStop, you know, for that game that you pre-ordered for the midnight launch. Like I, I did that so often as a kid, you know, I did, you know, for the Borderlands games, my sister, like I went with my sister, she was really into Assassin's Creed. Uh, and they would do like whole events and people would talk about their experiences with the games with each other while we were just waiting for that clock to hit midnight. And then we all got our copies and went home and had a fun time. Yeah. And, uh, you, would, and you don't really I made get friends that through Halo too. Like I made like legit friends that I knew throughout most of high school through. Oh yeah, definitely. Through Halo and stuff like that. And like that doesn't really happen anymore, sadly. Like there, there was just some genuine, there was a genuine like community around stuff that was just again because i think it was based around something that itself had a lot of substance uh you know and and souls the the souls born community is I, I, again kind of in the same vein and one of the last bastions of this there was just this really genuine like community uh, that that kind of formed around it where it, it was more than just a game like it, yeah. you know like you, you can get more out of it like this stupid game uh, that kicks your like dark souls that kicks your ass or 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 bloodborne which is just it's kicking your ass and you're nerding out, but then all of a sudden these same dudes um, are, are, you know, you're learning life lessons from them. And just by talking about the game, you're learning about different forms of philosophy, like like nihilism and stoicism and, and you know, the growing pain. Get good Becoming a man. Like, I mean, get good <laughs> is literally just a stoic sort of, you know, it's, it's almost like a modern day. You know, I, I have a genuine. Saying. I have a. Gen, I've been dying, and you guys keep being metaphysical about it. I, I straight up need to ask every one of you this: When you played Dark Souls, did you fucking reignite the flame, or did you let it die? I never got. Uh, to I that reignited part in, uh, in, uh, in one. <clears throat> you reignited. Well, the, I reignited. Yeah. I uh, and personally, I think the first game's canon is reigniting the flame whereas the last game dark souls 3 i think it's uh letting the the flame die isn't there there's a character like a multi, isn't there's, there a there's character? multi it's multi-universal though so technically you could light the flame not light the flame it would be well, inconsequential because solaire in his own world lit the flame in his own respective journey that's canon by the way yeah yeah that's solaire um, solaire is i guess base solaire yeah solaire bro i'm wearing my solaire shirt right now <laughs> well i mean like solaire is something your, i wanted yeah, to get i hope you got your sunny d bro what, what, what's uh, funny about unfortunately solaris? i do not i just got ranch water <laughs> damn yeah. 
What's funny about Solaire to me is like, uh, you know, in in like learning about the lore of Dark Souls and like the characters and stuff. Like, I can definitely see parallels of like d- different types of people that I've met in my life. But like, when I think of like my like my closest friends and like people that have really, really cared about me and like been there for me, like and, and kind of the lights in my life, and and I hope I've been the same to other people. I really do see Solaire, and and I think that's why he's such a beloved character because it's like, you know, I see not, I see I see John, or sorry. <laughs> I see ghoul, I see uh, Helio, like I see all these different people and I'm not saying that to gas you guys up or to, to be mushy or whatever, but it really is like this beacon of light that might not always be the most positive and happy person, but it's someone that's always there uh, no matter what to give a helping hand and they, they make you want to give a helping hand back. Like you don't want yeah, to. Like, like, and, you know. and that was totally his design, think, you I know, he's the first the character idea. that you come across that is legitimately a positive force in the world like well, he's I would, got i would kind of like to also add like the idea that um the whole sun motif uh in like a world like dark souls especially when like things like light and darkness are kind of more on a like less literal level um the sun is just kind of a perfect symbol of like just defiance against entropy you know it's just a big burning ball of gas right like yeah and and in the lore of the the game in the lore of the game the whole point of reigniting the flame is to keep the age of light keep the age of fire going keeping the abyss from swallowing the rest of the world um which i guess now we're kind of getting into the lore territory like the whole idea of the abyss you know in a lot of other media it is you know it's hell you know i play a lot of dungeons and dragons so the abyss is where demons come from and it's this horrible place where in dark souls it's the actual normal state for humanity but we see that in a world purely consumed by humanity things go absolutely awry you know the you know you see that it's with the story like the of the world yeah no absolutely like the the amount of parallels in there is, is crazy you know like you know the the dark soul is the soul of humanity right it was yeah. what was given by the furtive pygmy to humans well, for, um, for a game that's made by a from from my knowledge an, an atheistic uh you know japanese man who comes from a very non-christian culture what i find interesting is dark souls is almost like a reflection not of the bible but of a lot of like very core christian uh teachings and and that is that the flesh or in this case humanity when you live in a world that is completely consumed by it and that kind of runs uh with it you know it just becomes this decadent destroyed you know world in the end because it's being you know led by uh humanity's worst impulses which is greed wrath pride you know lust and in all those things and yeah. in the world of Dark Souls, it, it's more of a physical. There's, it's more of a physical manifestation of that, where all this, you know, corrupted darkness kind of takes over, and you know, these monsters, and you know, you know, they're being, you know, it's causing people to become undead, and you know, basically live in a purgatorious state until they eventually become hollowed, unless they're people like Solaire who can somehow manage to, you know, reach their destination without, you know. In, yeah, in and wh- case, whether or not Miyazaki was coming from a, a religious standpoint, I don't think he, he definitely was. was I, I just, but, I'm uh, just saying it's interesting to me. No, absolutely. But I think the whole point of it was, you know, having characters like Solaire that you know really idolize the, the the Age of Fire and all of that. Like he was looking for something 
more than humanity. I'm you know, in the Age of Fire was a hoax camp. I, I, I'm straight up. I would have let the fire die. If you, I you're, you're a, uh, you're a first flame denier. I, I, re I refuse to uh, let. Yeah, go back to that... flat. Go back to flat flame society, faggot. <laughs> you don't even fucking eat. listen. Look, the, the, the whole thing's about entropy, right? The, the whole idea is that these these fucking beings who just can't fucking let go of their power are destroying the world and that's what's creating the adverse effects of the the, the darkness in the abyss but, but we yeah exactly but, but the it, thing it, is I, I the abyss by itself did that corruption you saw that with the uh, the expansion that that had the story of of um the abyss walker right um artorius yeah uh the the area of the world that ended up getting consumed by the abyss was changed and mutated into this horrible thing even though the darkness is the ideal uh uh world for humanity it still will negatively affect them it, it is a rock in the hard place situation because yeah like the idea of the cycles of relighting the flames that happens throughout the series has it, everything ends in disaster right you know the the flame will die you know sort of thing and it has to be relit i think the whole point of it is you know like miyazaki himself when they when he was asked about like why are your games so dark like why is like thematically dark it, he said it's realistic like i think miyazaki is a nihilist you know he sees the world through a nihilist lens but he's also somebody that you know obviously what we were talking about earlier like has um along I, I with that stoic word, views right i think the i think the word you're looking for is um um absurdist actually nihilists are uh not kind of in the same cloth um I mean, I mentioned Sisyphus earlier, but um, have you have you ever heard of um? Fuck, man! Why, Darth why Plague do I is the wise. No. <laughs> uh, well, um, I mean, if I can cut in for a second, while you, while you kind of try and remember that, like, uh, no, 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 like he, it, the whole idea is that that um, like the Sisyphean myth, where he's pushing the boulder up the hill, and at the end of the day the boulder just gets thrown back down to the bottom right his effort right. is meaningless right but in that microcosm in that pushing the boulder up the fucking hill there is in a way meaning and well, well, that's what i was about to say like is, is it really to... is it truly meaningless if you, you know is, is it something truly meaningless if it gives you a purpose you know it's it's kind of like what i what i thought a nihilist, faith, a nihilist right? wouldn't a nihilist wouldn't push the boulder up the hill they just sit with it at the bottom yes you know? but with miyazaki when when ghoul is mentioning like he's he's a nihilist i don't think he truly means he's a nihilist in terms of like the the, the dog shit belief system or philosophy of nihilism but more in the case of he sees a nihilistic world and in more of a nietzschean sort of way he's looking for ways to combat it because if we go back to nietzsche and his, you know his whole you know idea of you know god is dead and all that kind of stuff right he wasn't glorifying the idea of the enlightenment and and you know, God being dead and us being these you know 
socially liberal, super, you know, decadent, you know, <laughs> beings that are just purely materialistic, you know, nihilism was the warning. It was the, the outroot cause. And in a world where if you don't have faith, if you don't have God, how do you combat it? Right. And, and that's kind of uh, the big defining difference between, I think, a lot of people's ideologies, whether they're someone who is like me, who even if I'm wrong, like, you know, I'm a Christian, right? Like, even if I'm wrong and, and I die and, and I go nowhere, my life still meant something to me, at least, because yeah. I had faith, you know, I had something. And so for people well, who I don't think, have faith, finding purpose in something like, uh, in, in this case, like pushing that boulder up, it, it's meaningful in that sense. Maybe the action was meaningless in a physical and materialistic sense, but in well, yeah. a philosophical sense, it but that, gave that's absurdism. Yeah, no, I, I actually, I get yeah, I actually I agree with, with Healy. Uh, I was Mantra, just trying I, to bring a better term to it, really. I wasn't trying to like... No, absolutely. Okay. Like, okay. I, I, I just, agree. No, I, but yeah. but what, what I do, what I would like to point out, though, is that um, I find it interesting that, you know, you mentioned, you know, without the absence of a god, but it, or when, in the absence of a god, but in the Dark Souls universe, the gods are basically right fucking there. Right? Yeah, I mean, at but the end of Dark Souls but, but again, that kind of comes you, back to You end up killing the gods. But but that's kind of but, but that's kind of what I'm talking about though with Miyazaki himself. I mean I mean the guy who's masterminding this stuff. This is a guy who comes from that that lens of God is dead, right? So so I'm not trying to say and you know I'm not trying to be like a a, a Christian moralist here and be like oh well it's it's a, it's actually about this. No, I don't think it is at all because it comes from somebody who doesn't view it that way. I was just kind of juxtaposing it with that as as an example, you know, because yeah. Miyazaki is somebody who again he like you're saying more of an absurdist like he doesn't. I, I can't speak for the man, but from what I can, you know, I, I was, gain, I was just, yeah. I, I was just trying to bring a better term to it because no, 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 I, I, I hear you. That, that, that that's my bad yeah. for that, That's my bad for yeah, misconstruing no, what you were saying. But I mean, I do think that it's good anyway, because it kind of brings that, yeah. that to the table, which is, you know, in, in his view, God is dead and it is an nihilistic sense of view. And so Instead Dark Souls of God kind of is represents dead and we that. have killed him. Is yeah. that uh, it's a, uh, God isn't dead, and we must kill <laughs> the, the Japanese version. The Japanese but, but even, love killing gods, man. What can well, I say? But, but even in that sense, like the the way it goes about it is way different from so many other like portrayals of that idea of killing God, right? Because like the end boss of Dark Souls One, and like spoiler alert. It's you know, cool. the game's been out. If you're listening to this, either you're it's been out for like me and you just autistically listen to every single episode or you've you played the games me? before. <laughs> but yeah, I, but I mean, I mean, the gods, the, the gods in Dark Souls are more akin to Nordic or, or Greek gods where they're very human gods versus, you know, an Abrahamic god that is, you know, this omnipotent, all knowing. being. Yeah, that's kind but, of above. but what I was I was what I was getting yeah. at was not necessarily like their station in the world. It was it's done so respectfully because like Gwyn, you know, the 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 end God boss this guy there. that yeah he's been built him. up throughout like the, the the dialogue all the lore all of that stuff as this big imposing character this guy that people even now as the world's ending still revere right and you finally get to him and you expect this giant epic battle uh between you know the chosen undead and gwyn but when you step into that boss arena the music changes to this somber 
like be- beautiful track like um it's called i think it's called gwen's lament uh i highly recommend even if you're not gonna play the games like check out the sound soundtrack it's oh yeah beautiful yeah, um, I was gonna say like that. That's honestly one of my favorite songs from the that series because it. it I, I used to the, do my my homework listening to that song because well, it was so the, relaxing. The ambience and the atmosphere. I mean, the atmosphere. I never shut the fuck up about atmosphere, but like, the the ambience and the atmosphere it kind of creates and the way it really you know it it's storytelling within music, which is another thing that the Souls games have in common with Halo is storytelling through music. Um, in in terms of you know tone everything. But yeah, the, the his theme makes me do a big cum. <laughs> like it is beautiful. <laughs> it's beautifully orchestrated. It gives you the it, it, it goes, gives you like, the sense that you're not defeating an enemy. You're like relieving somebody of their their watch. You know, this is the long-standing guard, right? And it's just his time has come, and it's time to retire him. He, you're giving him a send-off as opposed to defeating him, and mm-hmm. it it's this really cool idea of like you know even though his age is no no longer like it's still going to live on right yeah. like I, I don't know i don't know if that makes sense it's just a really no, beautiful thing that i don't think any other game i've played has like done that to me and it's not just gwen like fighting artorius like through oh, yeah. that whole whole thing you're learning about him even before that expansion came out you know there, there's references to him you fight you know his companion sif right and and that boss fight you don't really feel good it, you know besides the people that just play through the game for the the game experience which is completely fine but for the people that like are invested into the lore like you're having to basically yeah, go in and rob our yeah you you pretty much you have to go and rob artorius's grave that's the whole boss fight and it's important for you to do so but like it's also sif's job to stand watch over his friend's his friend's grave and when you finally get to artorius like you don't necessarily feel like oh yeah i kicked this guy's ass you feel like oh like that was a worthy opponent and just put down this legendary hero that that is maddened by you know yeah by by his job he he was just a guy doing his job right and there's so many other bosses like and what's really cool is a lot of those bosses besides some of like the demons you fight and, and that sort of stuff just the monstrous creatures um like uh the the legendary ons fight you know ornstein and smog yeah that that being one of the hardest most notorious boss fights in all of the souls games like it's this weird juxtaposition between the two characters like you have ornstein the dragon slayer this noble knight hold on you know his sacred dude oh no (laughs) sorry go on uh can't escape it uh he like if you look into his lore like he's a noble servant of gwyn and it's his job to protect uh anna londo right like that's like his whole thing and even the way that he behaves you know halfway through that boss fight if you end up killing smog first like his behavior in that quick cutscene is that of a noble knight like saluting his 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 comrade but and so he's not a bad guy right he is an obstacle in your way but he's not a bad guy whereas smog 
if you look into his lore, is a bad guy. He's a cannibal. He's a glutton. He's just this horrible wretch that ended up getting paired with this noble knight. Look, I'd appreciate if you behavior. didn't talk about my mom like that, okay? <laughs> uh, shout out to Madison's mom. Uh, Madison's but... mom has got it going on. <laughs> uh, this is weird because I know her in real life. I'm getting off the subject. Uh, I don't know your mom in real life. <laughs> so he's going to stay on the subject. Um, but like his behavior, if you kill Ornstein first, like to absorb his power, he just like slams him down with a giant mallet. It's just like a complete juxtaposition of, of how these characters behave. You know, and you see that in important NPCs. You have Solaire, who's this paragon of positivity and like willpower. And then you have, oh, geez, I'm forgetting his name. Um, the dude in the weird arm armor, like that's all wrapped up. I, I completely drew a blank on his name. Um, but he's like this conniving sort of guy. Jeez, uh, what is his name? I'll. Weird. figure it out later not the uh, state uh you you find him in uh in the tower and he's locked up right he, he ends up like if you continue on his quest line he ends up killing the firekeeper yeah that's yeah. uh you're, you're talking about um I, I i can't remember his name i know who you're talking about everyone thinks he's insane but i actually think he's from another uh i actually think he's from another uh not universe, uh, another plane, uh, kind of like Solaris, where he his mission is not exactly evil, but rather than reignite the flame and keep it going, he's trying to destroy all the well, fire that, that, That's what I was getting at, though. Yeah. Like, the portrayal of his character in the beginning, like just the way that he talks uh, to the to the player character, is is very sinister. But again, if you look into what he's doing. He has his own goals that, in reality of the world, aren't necessarily evil. There's like, you know, there, there's the meme in in like War, uh, Warhammer 40k. It's like, oh, who's the good guys? Who's the bad guys? And it's like, oh, no, 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 we don't do that here. Like that's kind of the same thing for Dark Souls. Yeah, is... but it, again, that, that kind of goes back to my original point. Like when I when I first brought up Solaire, he kind of represents uh, an archetype of a human being that that you'll meet in real life a lot of times. You know, where um, they're they're these people who have different goals and are not exactly malicious. You might not agree with it, but you know their actions and the way that they interact with you isn't really against you. It's just they're on a different journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I I think that in the sense of a video game that is like held up on this pedestal of being super hard sorry i knocked my mic um super hard and challenging and death is around every corner like the fact that there isn't a solidified bad guy a lot of times is just an interesting concept to go through uh because that that is the real world there's gonna be people in your jobs in your school i can think that of you don't yeah that you don't get along with it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a bad person right it doesn't mean that they're out well i mean in dark souls they are out to get you most things are but in the real world like 
they're not necessarily against you. They just don't walk the same path that. Well, you it's a difference between it's, him and Patches, where Patches is supposed to represent people who are malicious to you, people who all, do have your worst interest in mind. And while you know they might be snakes and and try to be your friend, you know when it they need to be. You know, they, they they're opportunistic. Are, they're opportunistic and they are, you know, these essentially malicious characters that are out to do things bad. Like Patches, you know, is notorious for kicking adventurers and other people into, you know, into abysses and into holes just to loot their corpses and, you know, all for this <laughs> selfish, you know, kind of greed. Which I can think of quite a few people in my life who that can represent, but I can also think of a lot of people, uh, especially in my current life too, that more represent, uh, and I hate that I can't remember his name, but the character that you're talking about. Hold on. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to look at yeah, his I, name uh, just because I want to make. I, I, I don't want to leave that off because anyone who is interested in the lore after or, or, or in the games or any of that that isn't already familiar with this afterwards, um, I even if you're not going to play the games, like if just get into the lore and learn about the characters. It's. It's fantastic. Uh, Knight Ludric. Yeah, Ludric. There you go. I can't say his name right because I'm terrible with pronunciation, but thank you. Lotric, Lotric. Sorry, Lotric, not Ludric. Lotric yeah. of Kareem, yeah. Uh, super, super interesting character. Super um, just like, dude, like for a game that has very little dialogue and like if you want to do a, a quest line, you have to work for it. You have to like show up in the right areas at the right times. Like the writing like of these characters RPG. is... <laughs> Yeah, no, pretty much. Uh, it, it's so well done. Anyone uh, who says that these games are hard has clearly never played a, like a retro like RPG or the original I mean, Fallout or like never games played game that requires any amount of thought. <laughs> hey, you want to you want to do this quest? Dice roll mechanic, fucking. You want to yeah, do this quest? Right. You want to do this quest? You're going to make a left here at the bush and then at this side you're going to go north and then over here at the right, skeleton you you're going to go south with your sword. Yeah, you have a 15% chance of actually hitting it. Yeah, I don't care if you actually landed on it with your cursor. Yeah, it's going to 15%. That's how I feel like when I make music. Nuts. <laughs> it's like oh man i got i got the, got the gear i got a good idea you put it together just like ah oh, shit i rolled i rolled a crit one fuck i knew i should have uh i knew i should have put some points into my charisma fuck <laughs> uh, oh you made a, a character with low intelligence they literally can't speak <laughs> wub, wub. <laughs> they just become Helen Keller. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, that was like that's like old school Fallout, right there. No, one of my favorite things in Fallout New Vegas is they carried that trade over, and if you walk, if you go into the uh, if you go into Helios One <laughs> and you talk to the fucking Brotherhood of or <laughs> follower of the Apocalypse guy, and he asks you, "Are you a follower of war?" Or a follower of peace, and your two options are warm and pizza. <laughs> well, there's a there's a the, the, you brought the yeah. you brought the Brotherhood. There is uh, you can accidentally burp in front of a Brotherhood guy that's like confronting you, and he'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> 
which reminds me of a lot of situations I've been in where I didn't realize I was around somebody important and I just let it, I just not like let one rip as in like a fart, but like I just like being myself and it's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have been a piece of shit. <laughs> yes, sir, that's a, uh, that's, um, that's HR you're talking to. What? Oh, fuck. I'm you, fired. You're, you're in there talking about how big Becky's tits are to HR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she got some donkers, if you know what I'm saying. Some she got real some Don a loose. <laughs> some real hung him along a dung alongs, you know. Some and then real... this other girl with even bigger. Oh. <laughs> 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 uh, you look at the guy's name tag, and you see right below his name. It says HR, and you're just like, oh. Fuck. And then he fist bumps you, you, and you, you realize you failed you're in good your company. perception check. <laughs> <laughs> he fits bumps, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, there's okay. No, it's funny. There's it's funny. Me and my like, uh, no, like my current boss. Like I was, uh, we had a we had a situation at work that I was involved in, and then like I was just like at my wits end, and I, my my boss ended up siding with me. Long story short, and like I accidentally took my mask off and just like said some real vile shit about the person <laughs> just totally tearing into them and I was and like I realized it halfway through and I'm like oh no what did I just do and then my boss laughs and he's like yeah you're right and he walks off and I'm just like yo <laughs> no like um I mean don't you have no, those situations not. all the time at work not yeah actually one of my co-workers like heard me saying some shit under my breath not that long ago about like one of our fucking notoriously worst clients and like she's just gave me this look of terror and goes yeah okay no not to fuck with you now and I'm like you know what <laughs> if, the, if that's a lesson you learn meanwhile meanwhile over over here at the fucking junkyard you've got people making fucking full ass roman salutes as they're walking by me because I'm bald <laughs> <laughs> and then that's, Joe, and, uh, that's me at work oh, as the resident that Jew. Censor that out. Censor that out. But but then my boss sees it and he joins in. <laughs> Virtue itself has just replaced like reason as far as you know the modern zeitgeist is concerned. Everybody's too fucking worried about being virtuous all the time. Yeah, kind of like, like how in Dark Souls now with Elden Ring, we need easy mode. We need easy mode. Because you don't have to be virtuous to be a good person either. Like how virtuous just... is coddling people and babying people? Like, like I know it's we talked, we, we briefly talked about like the fat acceptance thing at the very beginning with the EMT stuff, but like, how virtuous is it to be like, yeah, it's healthy to be, you know, huge and to fucking feel like shit all the time and to be, you know, just unhealthy. Like that's that's not virtuous at all. That's horrible. But you know, it's just it's allowing, offensive. You're giving you're giving the the Finding underprivileged such little worth to yourself that you become morbidly obese. Yes, that that's healthy. As someone Please who's like, I, I never got to the you know the morbid level, but I was you know a good like 40 to 50 pounds overweight in high school like you feel physically ill all the time you feel like you're you're yeah. you're being crushed by your own body like you don't feel good you hate the way you look like there's nothing virtuous about convincing somebody that to to be proud of that or to be happy about that that's not something to be happy well, not about. only that you shouldn't hate but, yourself but but i mean like you know it, it's like it's like with slut culture or with uh, i like to call it addict culture where it's like you know oh it's okay that you you know you're just going through a phase in your life so drinking yourself to death because you're what some 20 something is a good idea no <laughs> it's 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 a poison you know and i say that as someone who absolutely loves his liquor 
like <laughs> you know living a decadent life yeah as somebody, you know. as somebody who's cool. been as somebody who's been smoking pot since he was 15 just just wait until you're 19 to be doing that shit man it'll fuck you yeah, up your, a little bit your, brain, your brain's not fully your developed. brain needs to develop first before you start putting shit into it like that man like i mean i i would argue the same for psychotropics but it really depends on the situation what's more, what's more virtuous living in a decadent lifestyle and 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 telling other people to live decadent lifestyles or being somebody that you might hate me now, but you'll thank me later and giving someone a harder than not being a dick about it, but actually just Most pushing people, people to be a better person. Most people have benefited from being forced to literally do something, even if it's just something dumb, like your parents forcing piano lessons. Like well, as I, was, much as I was about to bring up my dad, like my dad was a fucking hard ass when I was growing up, you know, like I'd be in the middle of playing with Legos and he'd barge into my room and his OCD would be going crazy. Clean that up, you know, and you know, like I make my dad sound way meaner than he is, but like, you know, my dad was, was a real hard ass about a lot of stuff. Gave me shit about my grades, gave me shit about my weight, gave me shit about a lot of stuff. And I, I hated him for it at the time. I didn't understand it. It was like, why don't you love me, dad? And then now as an adult, I'm sitting here with, you know, a, a good chunk of self-discipline and a lot of life lessons and stuff. And it's like, I'm so glad that my dad was a hard ass because, you know, he was just looking out for me and he was trying to teach me stuff at a young age of you know to care about myself to not overlook these really important things that might seem like they might not matter when you're you know a dumbass kid but you know in the long run like caring about yeah, your dude, my, my, uh, my dad yeah Go my on. dad just screamed at me for 30 minutes for leaving the light on that's just about it honestly just well, I, is that the like baltimore experience for 10 10 years Baltimore. He wasn't from Baltimore. He wasn't from Baltimore. He was he was raised by a by a rich Jewish family in Annapolis. No, that explains everything. <laughs> see, see, that's a difference. Like everyone, so everyone thinks like all Jews are rich, and like I think of my dad. Who, like we literally had to flee to Texas because we were so broke we couldn't live here anymore. <laughs> and then even in Texas, like, like it was it was bad, you know, for for years. But like everyone thinks like all it, it's like the all Asians are smart, you know, sort of deal. You know, it, it it's funny because like people. Oh yeah, no, all white people, all white people are privileged as fuck. But I lived in the same fucking ghetto as everybody else, man. I well, I was about to say, like, didn't you? grew up in a predominantly like black crime ridden yeah no, I, I hung out i hung out with with mostly black people and and i wasn't bothered at all by it but um well, why would you be oh yeah well i mean that's the thing like the, the 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 problem is is that growing up like these schools would basically indoctrinate kids to believe that like fucking basically white people are the worst and then it, it's only growing up after a while that you begin to realize that all your friends are looking at you funny like hey man didn't your fucking ancestors enslave our ancestors and which is funny because my ancestors came across the boat from ireland if not ireland then on my father's side from fucking um shit my grandfather or my my paternal grandfather is straight out of fucking australia and and i'm, I'm just gonna say most privileged fucking white people in the world aren't coming out of Australia, dude. Yeah, they're coming out of Ireland, dude. I mean, I'm just gonna be up front, man. My great great, I think it was my great great grandfather. Yeah, my great great grandfather was a fucking coal miner, dude. Like yeah. in Pennsylvania, exactly. and it's just like literally the least fucking privileged of fucking white people but for some fucked up reason i'm a colonizer because of the color well, well of that's skin. like that's like uh th this girl I used to be friends with telling me i had uh, straight white male privilege even though uh i was a bisexual hispanic jew living out of my car working full-time <laughs> i love how anybody who's yep. resembling normal is immediately straight white and, and it's just like 
dude, you don't know their fucking sexuality by looking at well, them. It's you can't like, fucking tell that. It, I don't well, care who the yeah. fuck you are. And I don't care how fine Come, you yeah, well, you're, your well, you're telling, is, like, dude. Like, she was saying this to... She was saying this to a dude with painted nails, you know, like, lo lovely eyeshadow and eyeliner. Uh, who straightened his hair and dyed it fucking ridiculous colors. Some of that, some of that. Um, but, but yeah, no, people, people are like that. It's like, it's like, um, one of my, one of my best friends, uh, you know, throughout my entire life has been, uh, my buddy who, let me think of a good, like, code name for him so I don't dox him, uh, Rad Machine. And, uh, Rad Machine. And, and this dude is, you know, he looks like Jimi Hendrix. You know, I've, I've mentioned him a few times on the show, but, you know, it looks like fucking Jimi Hendrix and, like, you know, he's, he's, he's black and, you know his mom's side is kind of a broken apart family not really a whole lot outside of his mom but like his, his dad's side's like almost all intact and you know his dad's side's very you know very like the black struggle type and they all disowned him because he talked white and had quote-unquote white interests like anime and electronic music <laughs> and and books because <laughs> apparently that's that's not it's just ridiculous like people people like to judge everyone on like the littlest thing and like assign like these fucking identities to them um, and, and I guess to kind of bring this back to like Dark Souls and its community, um, what I find funny is all that stuff disappears once you enter these like really cool communities, whether they're ridiculous Facebook groups or, you know, they're, they're like, you know, fan bases of games and stuff like that. Like, unless you're a Dex player, in which case you're scum and you deserve to be aborted into space. Yeah, but you're more welcome than the, the people that are advocating for, you know, from software to put in easy modes and, and stuff like that, yeah, which I'd love played, to get into. A or little if you bit. played you know the you first game, there's an entire story about that. You know, you yes, know, um, yes. The perfect solution to that, you know, Dark Souls already has an easy mode. You see, they have um, actually, it's a whole separate game. It's called um, Barbie Adventures Three on the Nintendo DS. <laughs> I thought easy mode was the power button. <laughs> E easy mode, like it's there the is an easy mode in It's well, the here, equivalent let's of walking ask away. The, from let's the first ask the self-proclaimed not so skilled gamer uh, her opinion. Do you think games like Dark Souls that are super hard uh, not need an easy mode for people who aren't good at them? I like, mean, what's your what's your actual opinion? Yeah, we're so, a bunch of gatekeeping neckbeards. <laughs> hey, my beard is full and luxurious. I, mean, I can't honestly, even grow a fucking beard. <laughs> Same. The amount of times I've actually like enjoyed a game because it was difficult and because it made me some kind, some level of upset that I couldn't get past a certain part, and I finally reached the the point where I got good enough to just pass that part. It, it's a satisfying feeling, and I think that if you're too much of a pussy to not just work up to that level, then like. Why? Yeah, no, like <laughs> That's the whole it, it, point of the game. What game? What it, game challenged you and, and taught you that lesson? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I don't know, dude. Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, I think the first time I can think of was I was uh, I only ever played one Final Fantasy game, and I think it was that the first time that I was like, "This yeah. is fucking stupid," and I'm over it. <laughs> and then you begrudgingly turn the system back on, like I ain't gonna go down. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was me. Absolutely. That was me with a ton of games. Like re most recently, that was me with uh, Max Payne Three because I finally played through that game, and like, like there was multiple times where I rage quit, and I was just like. 
Yo, fuck that! I'm gonna kick his ass. <laughs> I, I have only, I have only, I have only one boss title to sort of describe that rage to, and that's Rom the Vacuous Spider. Yes, yes. And it's not even boy. because of Rom; it's just it's cause no, of all it's the... because of the fucking other spiders. <laughs> all, all, like the, all the, spider, bro. all the minion spiders around him. Because like you go in, fireballs at his ass, and you just. It's always like the blast radius for a while was hard. was the hardest for me to predict because it was just yeah. like, how far back do I need to roll to fucking avoid his stupid upward meteor strike bullshit? Who the fuck gave a spider this kind of shit, man? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, they weren't a spider before. They were a student. Did you know? Did you know that? Um, did you know that the word vacuous was a mistranslation? Um, it, he was originally supposed to be called the stupid spider. Like it meant yes. it was literally yes. meant to be retarded. Vacuous was just it sounded better, I guess. Oh, so he's the Kotaku yeah. spider. <laughs> oh, speaking of spiders, I have a I, I have a, a fucking line six amp. <laughs> well, I, th I got I, it I for think... twenty bucks at work, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in the context, Fricker is rolling in his grave. When you were playing Bloodborne, when you were playing Bloodborne, did you cheese the sh the shadows of Yarnum, or did you actually like you know go? To no, I did it. Yeah, I didn't know about the cheese. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't know about that, and I I just went for it. That was They're really not that hard time. as long as you're patient. Like you just kind of have to Dude, loop around a few times. You gotta you gotta take you gotta get rid of the one that throws the fucking snake at you yeah. first, bro. Yeah. That that's easy. Like you gotta get rid of that guy first, because later in the fucking boss battle, when he starts throwing those, I don't know how the fuck you're even supposed to avoid that. I didn't even stick around long enough. You know, how much influence do you think that uh, those games took from like the classic Castlevania games with that kind of stuff? Because that oh kind God, of, what I you're describing re reminds me of like the Medusa heads where like there's literally two coming in like arching patterns and there's almost you have to like get this perfect pattern going with jumping just to dodge them. Well, what I love about Bloodborne is when it was coming out, like I watched everything as it came out, but I purposely avoided any like in-depth analysis because i didn't I, I really wanted to go in as blind as possible while still getting my you know my fix my you know my my from saw fix uh so i had no idea about all of the lovecraftian stuff in the game so like when i first started playing i was like oh like castlevania mixed with you know gothic horror sort of motif which you know that's castlevania and then you but, get like, even more so. for the first time yeah no absolutely like the first time i like that was the first like hint in my brain of like oh hp lovecraft was uh picking up the the item which was called insight and like oh madman's insight like that that's super cool and or it's like knowledge of a madman or something like that um and i'm like, like oh okay that's that that's uh that's really like cosmic sort of stuff and then you go into the chapel where you fight uh vicar amelia uh oh my god that intro cut just, scene was fucking amazing dog like oh just, yeah just, absolutely you and, know the, the, the whole symbolism with the fucking blood it's a communion back as if like wings and shit like oh my god oh oh yeah just, yeah that's well, just but like her her whole like posture like from the the time that you see her in that cutscene till like you defeat her in the boss fight is like she's holding that that item the, the pendant in the way that somebody's supposed to uh hold like a communion wafer yeah um but like going in on all the statues 
like lining that entire place oh. right it's just like oh it's cthulhu like th this is crazy like a a and as somebody who's a huge hp lovecraft fan i was like no way and like oh and i'm just gonna talk about uh hideo kojima and just how brilliant that man is like he like he made a a game that is an action rpg like purely an action rpg and he made it like the closest thing that a video game has ever had to actual cosmic horror in my opinion like yeah, exactly you got you got stuff like silent really, hill which which is definitely close but it kind of does its own thing i just but then, love his world building so fucking much like the way yeah. it just ties in everything ties in like if you notice with a dark souls game or with any type of FromSoft game they have a reason why people are invading in the lore they have a reason why yes. you respawn in the lore everything has an in-lore reason mechanically it all ties in it all goes full circle like the whole age of light age of dark and all that shit everything just kind of fits perfectly yeah, the, there's very just... rarely a mechanic in those games that isn't directly tied into some sort of world building yeah um but like but even then with the way that he did cosmic horror like the way that H.P. Lovecraft and a lot of the other writers after him did it is it's a very secretive thing. It's like this, you know, like dark corners of the the world, you know, like a small hamlet where they worship Dagon or, or something like that. Um, or, or even going a little bit more modern into like John Carpenter's The Thing, where it's this isolated event out in the middle of the Antarctic where the rest of the world is completely ignorant about what's going on where Hideo Kojima was like, I'm building a world where it's like, yeah, Cthulhu exists. There's a chapel for him over there. We have a youth group on Wednesday nights. Like it, it, it is the world religion. Yeah, where's like, the these... invite? <laughs> like, Honestly. And it, I, I literally have so a Cthulhu well. shrine in my room. room. <laughs> he stares at me. Considering getting the, I was considering, I, I might actually do this, but I'm considering getting the uh, the weird Cthulhu pentagram tattooed on me. <laughs> oh, the, the Elder you know Sign? I'm talking about? Yeah, the Elder Sign, yeah. I, I call yeah. it the Cthulhu pentagram, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it fits the description quite well. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm going to get, uh, you know, on the, the topic of cosmic horror and tattoos, uh, I'm going to get uh, the hunter symbol from Bloodborne tattooed on uh one of my arms and i'm gonna get it and i'm gonna get the dark side sign just, from dark souls on the other i'm just gonna like you know go straight to the source and just get the brand of sacrifice at some point <laughs> yeah absolutely but you know, oh oh dude can, kind of uh, speaking of kind of going into what were you gonna say something oh i was i was gonna say um kentaro miura um for anybody listening that doesn't know uh hideo kojima's the primary best illustrator known to man you mean yeah yeah absolutely like it absolutely gorgeous stuff he, hideo kojima is like yeah his yeah, is talking about burke now <laughs> his biggest inspiration has been the berserk series and it's all throughout the games whether it's legitimately just taking an enemy from the manga and putting it in his game like the the wheel skeletons um in dark souls one uh but just the the imagery that he uses the the hunter rune in bloodborne just, is the brand of sacrifice just missing a couple of lines um and most recently uh, you know 
gonna talk about Elden Ring because it's my most recent obsession. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Kentaro passed away last year. Um, and throughout Elden Ring, you'll find these memorials to to him. Uh, and they're like these fields of uh, Guts' sword, like stuck in the ground. And you, you'll go up to the largest one and there'll be like an inscription talking about um, a fallen hero. And it's it's it was beautiful. It's, uh, like, it's actually um, um sorry that I hate to interrupt, but it's, it's no, actually it. like a complete. It's a reference to the uh, graveyard of swords and uh, berserk. I think that's what it's called. But it's basically. Uh, <sighs> fuck, man, I'm trying to explain this in a way where I don't have to go into like. No, it's, um, it's all right. But no, when uh, when when the main character in Berserk Guts lost his band, his band of mercenaries or whatever, um, the it, there was a graveyard of swords that was made. But the, all the swords were like handcrafted by one guy, and he was like the surviving, like one of the kids that was kind of outside of the band at the time that the eclipse happened. Um, he ended up making that whole graveyard just it blades just in the ground, you know, to represent each of the fallen, each one of his fallen comrades, and that's kind of just like a spitting image kind of yeah absolutely and and, uh, like i like i said it's really beautiful it it, it was like as somebody who hasn't read berserk like i saw that and just knowing the inspiration of all of these games like i like i kind of had emotions about it one of the themes that carries over from berserk to i'd say dark souls very well is um like for lack of a better term the the main character berserk guts was born from a basically a hanging corpse from a tree and found by a mercenary band raised by said mercenary band abused by the leader of said mercenary band and what kind um, of abuse the whole yes anyway <laughs> um, the whole the whole lot of his life was basically just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy and and it's just the way he carries through it essentially is just through basically just fighting you know, he's always fighting. He's always got a fucking sword in his hand. He's had a sword in his hand since he was a kid, you know? And um, just that kind of mentality, the, I, I mean, I don't want to say it's like nihilism more than it's just complete instinct and absence from any sort of inherent meaning. <clears throat> but, well, I mean, like in Dark Souls, it's all about finding your meaning, right? It's yeah. you know, you're you're but given like, this um, vague instruction, and then it's up to you huge, to go and pursue it. There's a huge turning point for him though when he meets Griffith and uh, Shout out Griffith. finds like basically Griffith did everything wrong. Griffith did um, nothing wrong. Griffith's hot. You didn't read the manga. You, you're just tantalized uh, by his looks, like every NPC <laughs> in the game. In Griffith, the thing, Griffith so is hot. You're right? wrong. You are wrong, and I have proof. Anyway, so also when he cut himself, I felt that. I'm sure you did. You know he cut himself because he slept with a man, right? Yeah, same. Defeat his army. Anyway, um, same. I think I got the stuff for the podcast. <laughs> so, look. So anyway, um, no, there's a whole turning point, and the when he meets Griffith, he meets basically this this magnanimous figure that just has all these fucking ambitions and dreams and whatnot, and also he's like 
a girl boy or some shit. But um, so Griffith is a completely opposite of Guts. He's like all noble and well composed and and um, well spoken and all that. And meanwhile, Guts is just like, oh, you're a faggot, you know, and just like killing things with his gigantic sword. Um, and um, there's like a certain point where Guts kind of gets the feeling that Griffith doesn't see him as like sort of his equal, which he kind of does low key, but you know, he doesn't know that. Um, and he sort of just like kind of makes a shift in his life because he, 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 Griffith basically says like to someone else at the time that he doesn't consider someone his friend unless he's on an equal level. And in order to be on an equal level, that person has to have some kind of goal or some kind of dream. And therefore his subordinates cannot be his friends because they're following the same dream as him. Right. And that's sort of just kind of, I don't know. It's just the, the philosophical kind of like, you know, implications of meaning in a meaningless world is just very heavy in berserk and uh without me spoiling pretty much everything but i mean it's been it's been around for 30 fucking years if you haven't read it yet you're 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 lost anyway um but um you know it's a very uh it's a very brutal story and and it's just um very heavy in existentialism very heavy and um just you know finding your own way and even even if it means defying fate itself which is basically adds yeah, very very resembling of dark souls i'd say absolutely yeah wait did you just say existentialism yes you know what you know that, what that means right uh we're gonna start quoting rick and morty now or what <laughs> that was literally the last thing on my mind Funny enough. I fucking was waiting. <laughs> you said existentialism one too many times in the last ten minutes. Did I? <laughs> Beetlejuice. <laughs> Say it three times and Madison Gray plays the song. <laughs> no, I, I, I just wanted to let I wanted to let you virgins talk about this stuff because I you know it, it's interesting and you know I uh, anything I had to add would just be like. I'd be taken away because I, I'm not nearly as in depth in the knowledge of what you guys are talking about as you two. And I do think it's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know shit about dark souls personally. I just know about the, lore. I, mean, I know about the lore, the overarching kind of deal. I, I'm pretty rusty. I spent a lot of my time looking up lore for dark souls too. And, and yeah, it turns out that, that, that wasn't a good idea. I kind of like dark souls too, though. I like a lot of the themes in it, but I know that it's not like, Dark Souls 2 is a, is a good game, but it was definitely like, a push. Like from doesn't the have patches. Doesn't have patches in it. Not interested. Yeah, Miyazaki liked, wasn't adding uh, that one up when I it first came the, out. Uh, I liked the lore of Iron, the Lord of Iron a lot. Um, he yeah. was probably one of my favorite antagonists, like lore wise. He had a pretty good backstory, but you know, you I don't think it had much to too. do with. Uh, it was just mom. another age. It was just another age, uh, kind of in the the overarching story of Dark Souls. It was just sort of like showing that you know these cycles continue, and then Dark Souls Three really wraps wraps up the the entirety of it. You know. Speaking of Dark Souls Three, what did you think of you know, and patches? What did you think of his redemption arc in the uh, in the DLC? You know what I, because I think there's two DLCs for. Dark Souls 3, I've only played one of them, and not because I didn't 
want to, but because I had no idea. I think at that time I was uh, I was in school and video games just became a thing that I couldn't do anymore. Mm-hmm. So I definitely need to go back and, and play through um, the second DLC of, of... I won't spoil it then. Yeah. Um, Everybody I, I, dies in the end. Yeah. Uh, that's because I don't reignite the flame in Dark Souls 3. <laughs> the world comes to an end. You could you could always do the uh, the super secret ending. Oh, like the the Age of Hollows or Lord of Ho- Hollows or something like that. No, no, it's um, I forgot the dude's name, but he's uh one of the uh, he's one of the servants or whatever. He's like a sword servant or servant of a knight. He's been around for like fucking ages though, and um, he's basically trying to um, he's trying to find um like a pigment of the dark soul to give to some lady to make a painting and um it's something involving this place called the painted world but um he basically sticks around like you go to the 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 pygmy the ring city right and you uh you basically time skip into the future essentially and the world is just completely just gone to shit it's just ash everywhere there's you know just a the dark signs just pretty much in the center of the sky at this point and um the only person alive is him and he's just gone completely blood crazy and he you basically have to kill him right and he's at this point basically killed off pretty much every living being that he could find and he's looking for basically the the i say basically too much but (laughs) um he's looking for the for a pigment of the dark soul and it turns out that that pigment is is his own blood you have to kill mm. him, take his own blood, use that as the pigment, take it to the painted lady, and the painted lady, the, the lady paints something that it. She basically paints a, a world um, outside of the uh, of yeah. the the ruined world, and it's basically an alternative, like a way to escape to. And um, you know that that's essentially where you go if you do the secret ending. Yeah, uh, I the final that. fight with that guy that was epic. I hate Very to be epic. that guy, but we're hitting the hour and a half mark, my dudes. Oh cool. no! Can I can I uh, can I can I switch to my phone and have a cigarette now? Then <laughs> no, before before we're done, <laughs> before we're done, um, I do want to talk about Onion Knight and and his journey and what that kind of represents. And uh, instead of me telling you, I'll let someone who has a lot to say about it talk about it. Yeah. So we we kind of. Because we, we kind of talked about talk, this at to, work a little bit. Yeah, and, and I, I actually have some clarifications for you on, on some of the stuff that you, you said about it. Um, but, yeah, we talked about the, the easy mode in Dark Souls, right? Um, and why that's Fucking kind stupid. of the antithesis. It's stupid, and it's the antithesis of the entire point. And Zygmire, um, the Onion Knight, his entire quest line kind of proves that point that having that extra helping hand is is what's wrong with the idea of an easy mode within what Dark Souls is trying to teach the player. Um, you first meet him outside of a gate and he's sitting there and he's contemplating like, how am I going to get past this thing? And that's the first time that you help him. 
Yeah, and, and you he's also get the, the gate open. He's also the first NPC you run into who is is not attentive to you. Is that where he's just so lost in his own thoughts he doesn't even notice? Yeah. You. And you're you're in a world that's super unforgiving. So it's like you really don't have the fortune of not paying attention. Right. Right. Um. And I mean, long story short like throughout the game you'll run into him and he's always stuck at some sort of barrier either it's a physical barrier or it's a really tough enemy and you as he doesn't have any moss yeah yeah absolutely i've been there uh, <laughs> first time i ever went in i i had no idea what i was getting into and then my frame rate dropped and i remember everything that i heard <laughs> online about an area of the game where frame rate drops and everything What's worse, sucks. Blight Town or Ulando Ruins? Uh Blight Town simply because of the frame rate issue. Mm. I, I didn't I didn't mind New Londo. It, it was kind of platform. It's the most sympathetic boss in Dark Souls 3. Sif. Sif is a good boy. Sif. Yeah, Sif is a good boy. And okay, I always hard mode, except for <laughs> cutting out Sif and Artorius, because they're kind of obvious. <laughs> uh Gwyn. Definitely Gwyn. Gwyn. Yeah, um, respectable. It's uh, also very I, fuckable. He's kind of hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So every time you run into him, you're you're helping him, and he's he's a like just like Solari. He's a very positive guy. He's on an adventure, right? Mm-hmm. And but each time you do that, he starts getting a little bit more downtrodden. Like, oh, you've helped me again and all of that sort of stuff and it gets to the point where unless you let him die at a certain point he'll completely lose all sense of self he he becomes so disheartened by his own inability that he'll become hollow and you end up running into his daughter who is not undead um uh zieglin zieglin um and she's like on a mission to basically tell him her mother's last words and if you go through the whole thing and you end up letting him go hollow uh you'll end up finding her over his dead body and she basically said like oh you know if he goes hollow i'll i'll kill him again which i think Madison, you took as like she's just gonna keep killing him. Uh, I'm not gonna forgive her for killing him. All right, for turning him. So hollow. what? What she meant was so usually what happens it, with the hollowing is it's the last time you die before you completely lose yourself. Like there's a point where you die, and when you come back, you are no longer you in that and for it's unclear but it seems like for certain hollows if they are killed they won't come back anymore the curse is lifted um which is is strange because a lot of the enemies you fight early on in the game are quote-unquote hollows but every time you sit at a bonfire or die and respawn they all come back yeah i do have i do have a theory for that and i actually think it's because they are lesser souls yeah, it, it like could if you be don't, if you that. if you died with completely without a purpose, versus somebody, uh, for example, like like someone like Solaire probably would be able to also be killed off like Onion Knight, 
where yeah. when they, when yeah, they which i mean is what happens if you don't do a super convoluted uh thing in his quest line I mean, to if save you don't him. play the game correctly <laughs> <laughs> we don't let Solaire die, all right? Fuck we you. don't let Solaire die. We don't. Uh, I mean, oh, come on, man. He seemed really happy with those maggots, though. Uh, yeah. I'm kidding. But uh, yeah. Um, Yo, maggots. Are we talking about Slipknot, bro? Basically, that whole storyline is push saying my like, into my <laughs> Sorry, if I push my fingers into my. <laughs> but if you don't struggle. Your... Yeah, don't struggle. It's a snuggle. <laughs> if you don't struggle, Sorry. if you don't persevere on your own, like, what was the point of you even doing this? Well, what's the point right? of playing Dark Souls? You know, like, or Souls like game, or like, for me, like, I, I like, I'm, I'm a masochist, and I like torture platformers. What's the whole fucking Same. point of playing these things? If, if you're not in it for the challenge, like, oh, I'm in it for the story. The story doesn't make any sense, and and that's why I think Onion Knight, <laughs> like, you're you're completely right on this. That's why Onion Knight's story is, it's a cautionary tale, like, like, I'm not against casual gamers or people playing games for easy modes, I mean, fuck, I'm not that good at video games, I mean, like I'm- Candy Crush, bro, like, fuck, man. Yeah. Like, I'm not and, that and good like, at, yeah. Even deeper than all of that, like, the entire sense of accomplishment in those games wouldn't be there, you know, which like, is, which is, as living like, in a, in a, in a house with a, a, FromSoft newbie and, and like he he works a little bit later in the day than I do so I usually end up going bed before and like he's totally respectful he puts on his headset all of that but there's been a couple of times where I'm like laying about to fall asleep and I'll hear him just like overjoyed he beat a boss in Elden Ring like that is the experience that the FromSoft team put out for people and if there was an easy mode it goes back to weightlifting it's the same idea are you gonna gonna feel happy after killing the the little fucking level three fucking worm for the fucking thousandth time are you gonna be happy for killing grogoth the destroyer of fucking crotches you know i mean pretty sure i'd go for the latter yo don't say my poor name like that See your porn whenever you want. Well, that's no, the reason why you haven't got any work. They, they're just like, um, searching up your email. It's like, ah, it's too long. We'll get Johnny Sins or whatever. My old, my old name, Vlad the Impaler, was apparently too inappropriate. <laughs> they didn't nice. like my finishing move. <laughs> but no, it, it, the whole gameplay loop uh, of Dark Souls is the same as these torture platformers, where it's this constant struggle until you you beat it and. Um, there was this video that you you had sent me, Ghoul, and they talked about Celeste, and Celeste is a game that I heavily enjoyed. I had no idea it had, like, cheese mechanics that you can do to basically yeah. ruin the game. And so I was curious, and I tried them, and it ruins the game. Like, like Celeste is a really fun game, but it it, it can be buttfuck hard at a few times, and, yeah. and that's part of the that's like the entire thing is like when you finally get to that next screen and you're like oh thank god there's a safe spot here and like you're overwhelmed uh with that and then when you in celeste uh, it's a really fast-paced platform for anyone who's never played it it's like fast and precision based and so they have this cheese mechanic where you can lower the speed of the game and it's like why would you do that yeah, if you want to beat something, sure, but where's the accomplishment in it? Yeah, and did you really actually beat the game? And let's be honest, like Dark, Souls, Dark Souls isn't a fun game. It's fun because of the sense of accomplishment, but yeah, let me play a really sluggish dog shit hack and slash game. 
Like that's okay, literally... well, that's where we differ. I think the I think it's a really fun. Dark Souls is fucking fun. No, okay. I think it's fun because of the challenge. But think about it, and I think you missed the point of what I'm saying. Hey, if you take just the mechanics and you make everything easy, yeah, and you're just okay. one oh, yeah, yeah, thing, no doubt. That's what I'm saying. It, it's it's a dog shit unfun game in that regard. The it's actual like Dark mechanics, Souls except you're level thirty and everything is always level the, five. The, the, yeah, exactly. The 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 gameplay loop would be boring as fuck because the gameplay is not that engaging. What makes it engaging is the challenge. It's the fact that everything yeah. is essentially a small boss. You have. Yeah, you have to learn you how don't, to fight each enemy. You survive. It, it's a every learning process. Encounter. That's fun. Yeah, you survive every encounter until you conquer it, and that's the whole point of the the gameplay loop. So when you take that out, it's like, and then I want to. Well, I want to experience the story, bro. Okay, you want to experience a really, again, kind of but watch Vati. Yeah, well, you want to you want to experience it. You want to experience. He's a great YouTube. Shout out Vati. Yeah, Sorry, shout out Vati. Do my and Hackshaw. But um, or Hawkshaw, yeah. however you say his name, but War it, Hunter, all of those guys. Yeah, but like, but they no, did, they with make Dark Souls, amazing content. But with Dark Souls, if you just play the game for the story and you don't want any of the challenge, you want an easy mode, then okay, have fun with a really vague story that makes not one bit of sense. That's really lame without any context. The story yeah. that you have to actually play to understand the context yeah. of because the, again, the, every all part of, the of Dark Souls, are, like if you, if you take it, yeah. you put an easy mode in there the thematic angle of the story no longer makes sense. The music goes from being this fitting, beautiful pieces that set the mood to just these overly try-hard songs. Uh, the gameplay becomes fucking boring and repetitive. And then on top of that, you know, what's, where's the incentive to go exploring and also the thrill of exploring, you know, versus, holy shit, I, I survived and I, I killed these things and now I have these items and I'm able to read more about the lore and understand more and, and piece more together what's going on versus with this. Now all of a sudden, you know, easy mode, it's either being spoon-fed to me or I have no incentive or any desire to do that, so I just run through the game. Yeah, it, it you earn everything in that game. You earn the story. You earn character interactions. You earn new loot. All of that. It's a lot like it's a lot like it's a lot like lifting, and it kind of goes back to lifting to me because I look at that and it's like you know just in the little bit that I've I've started doing on my own, and the very little you know I'm not making a ton of gains because I don't have gym membership and I don't have access to like an actual like weight kit, but just with the the dumbbells and the body exercises I've done like. Yeah, it sucks. It's hard. I fucking hate doing them every day. But when I, you know, at the end of the week, when I, when I, when I look in the mirror, when I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I, I feel my muscles and I flex. It's like I feel this sense of accomplishment. And I want to get into it more. I want to keep struggling to get better and to to be able to, you know, get stronger and all of that. And and that's all. It's just like Dark Souls. Dark Souls again. It's it's that struggle and that sense of accomplishment. You know, and without that, it's not worth it. Like imagine if I can just like will myself into being buff or or like it, it, you lifting you know you didn't feel any resistance and that it's I like wish. you just did it it would just be the most Kidding. menial thing and no one would have an incentive of getting buff outside of work outside and, of uh, work I'm, and aesthetic like there, there'd be no know, there'd be no point to it and for anyone who doesn't lift they'd probably think like i'm i'm talking insane like oh well, you know why wouldn't you want that again if you want it in just the material sense but lifting is kind of a zen thing like I know that sounds so like gym bro of me to say, but if you've never tried lifting, uh, it it is this almost zen like experience where it teaches you a very basic skill and it teaches you perseverance and reward, and it, it ends up becoming this you know almost you know 
therapeutic and cathartic experience. And if it, we need there to was stop no telling resistance. our kids, we need to stop letting our kids be nerds. We need to actually get them outside and like, you know, maybe bully them a little bit because in all honesty, early this whole mentality and that, often early and often. No, no, the whole mentality of, oh, you need to be like all sensitive and shit. And you need to do this and you, know, you have to be gentle with them. It's like, no, because that just teaches them to only use their mind and never use their fucking body. Nobody knows how to use their fucking bodies anymore. They just I'm very, used it for yeah. So I'm very much of the idea. Of, I'm very much of the it. idea of Yukio Mishima, and uh, I mention him a lot. But funny enough, um, I doubt Miyazaki just because of Mishima's infamy would ever say this. But another another figure whose literature and philosophy I think really deeply inspired Dark Souls is Yukio Mishima. And there's a lot to it, so I'm not going to get into it here since we're already you know really long into this. Uh, and you know we can talk about it another day, but Yukio Mishima is a very famous Japanese uh, writer, and uh, he's infamous for later in his life staging a coup to restart the Japanese Empire of the samurai, right? But he lived he lived his life, and he died the way he lived his life, and by his philosophy. But he has this book; uh, it, it's really short. It's fantastic, called Sun and Steel, and there's a lot to it. But one of the core aspects of it again is letting the sun tan and burn your skin and becoming one with you know with with the sun which is i think an influence on uh obviously solaire but also the idea of perseverance and treating your body as more than just you know this thing more is just your body it's an extension it's it's an extension of your mind it's an extension of your being and taking care of it and taking pride in it and building it up you know and that should be taught to people because it is your you are your body you live in your body your body you, the body's a temple you know that cringe fucking saying every little girl wants to say who reads buddha for the first time but it's true and you should treat it as such and if you live life on easy mode eating nothing but fucking mcdonald's and del taco i always thought of my body as like i always considered my brain to be more like the uh the center of it all but i've always considered my body to just be like some kind of mech suit made of meat <laughs> meat physics mech. meat mech <laughs> your body your body's just the <laughs> ava for your brain <laughs> well i i know we're getting a little bit on i just kind of want to my closing thoughts on everything you know we kind of ended on on the the hard mode easy mode debate that people have i i just want to tell people it's okay not to like dark souls if it's not your thing it's not your thing that's completely fine it's not totally every fine. piece of media is for everybody and just, just know like, that, yeah, that just know that we're gonna judge you for not kidding <laughs> <laughs> only if you play decks yeah, you know yeah, like only if not, you play decks. not every piece of media is made for everybody you know and this idea that it should be is completely ridiculous you know not every movie that comes out is going to be to your taste to your liking whether that be thematically artistically whatever it's totally hey. fine those those things can exist on their own just because it's just like it's just like, like your life is not a matter some people like running some people like lifting it's not a matter of accessibility it's just a matter of getting good that's it you know if you want to be a runner you're gonna to have to learn how to fucking yeah. be a runner you're gonna to have to run every single day and you're gonna to have to get good at it right if, if you, want, you to be want a fucking guitarist you're gonna to have to pick up a guitar you're gonna to have to learn how to play the guitar learn a little bit of fucking theory learn you don't call me out song. like that 
you know, you, you, you become a guitarist, you get good, right? If you want to become literally anything, you have to get good at it. Why the fuck shouldn't this dumb video game be any different? And why yeah, the fuck it, is it, it such a mortal sin? If sucking, like, and it's fucked up, it's fucked up because these people are the same people that'll post that stupid age-old fucking Adventure Time quote where it's like, sucking at something is the first step of being kind of good at something. But then they'll but never then they'll, like, live by it. They'll, yeah. Then they'll, then they'll never beat the first fucking boss of, like, any Souls game, which, I mean, come on, man. I mean, yeah, it took me 20 tries to beat the Cleric Beast, but I got it, and, and on my second playthrough, I beat him in one go. Uh, it took me two times on the cleric beast. I don't know how many times it took me to kill the blood star beast. It, it was the blood star beast the is 30s. a dick. It, it was I probably it in the forties for me, dude. Honestly, oh. like as a as a oh my god, that thing was just all over the fucking place. Out of all of those games, okay, and Poison I think claws. I think Bloodborne is all right. Is all right, hold it, virgins. Hold it, virgins. We're at the hour and fifty minute mark. We gotta close out. Bloodborne cleric beast absolute bitch of a boss at the at the end of the day dark souls is the meaning of life read greek mythology and philosophy and berserk and yeah and, berserk. and, berserk. and griffith did nothing wrong we'll see you next week <laughs>